broadcasting from Singapore and broadcasting all around the world. You're listening to the Ignite EdTech Podcast with Craig Kemp, created by an educator for educators and streaming to the world. Now, over to your host, Craig Kemp. Hello and welcome to episode 86 of the Ignite EdTech Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Kemp, and I'm honored to have you join us. As most of you know, I continue to work with the incredibly talented Mark Quinn to improve the final audio quality of this podcast. He has his own podcast production studio that provides editing and mastering services to content creators. To connect with Mark, please see the details in the podcast notes below. Last week, I asked you about your digital ecosystem for learning. Thank you for your ideas and thoughts. This week, I wanted to ask about your plans for your upcoming break. Some of you have just had a break, or you're moving into a break over the coming weeks. We all need time for ourselves. What are your plans to rest, relax, recover, and more importantly, re-energize yourself? I'd love to hear from you. Please share with us via our Ignite EdTech social streams. I look forward to hearing your responses soon. A tool that has positively impacted the authentic and purposeful use of technology into classrooms and meeting rooms that I have worked in is Book Creator. Book Creator is a digital bookmaking tool with limitless options suitable for students of all grade levels. It's available for both iPad and the web including Chrome, Safari and Microsoft Edge. Students join the class library using a code and then any books they create can be accessed by the teacher and added to the class library to share with classmates. Before students create their first book, it's helpful for them to read the basic tutorial. They then tap the plus sign or new book icon on the main screen, choose a book shape or template and then tap the plus icon to add photos, videos and typed words to the cover page, first page, etc. Simply swipe to move content around the page or resize and rotate it as desired. Under the I tab, students will find many options for adjusting or deleting items. Every time they want to add something, they just tap the plus sign again. Make the book simple or take advantage of the large number of fancy bells and whistles. For example, a predictive drawing feature helps create professional looking graphics based on the user's input. Once students are done, books can be shared in tons of ways by email, airdrop, Google Drive, Dropbox, printing, publishing to iBooks, and so much more. Book Creator offers a number of features to make it widely accessible. It's available in 10 languages. If your browser is set to one of the supported languages, Book Creator automatically appears in that language. There are options for text-to-speech, closed captions, screen reader compatibility, keyboard navigation, and more to support learners of different abilities. And multiple users can work on the same book across multiple devices, which can support remote learning. I love Book Creator and have used it in my school for years. It's easy to use, easy to integrate, and supports every learner in your classroom. I highly recommend that you take a look at the link in the description below, bookcreator.com. Last week, we talked about digital ecosystems. If you're interested in learning more, go back and listen to last week's episode. This week, I wanted to talk about making the most of your break and recharging. For many of you, you've either just had a break, you're on a break, or you have a break coming up very soon. 
Having school holidays gives us the chance to rest, relax and recharge. However, as educators, we often don't make the most of this opportunity as we always have other things to do. Our minds never stop. Here are six ways to make the most of your holidays to rest, relax and recharge. Number one, step away from your work and your devices. Try physically locking away your computer, tablets and any teaching material. If you don't trust yourself, give the keys to a loved one. Put your phone on aeroplane mode to cancel out extra noise. Even in a resting state, the brain consumes about 20% of your body's energy. So try to avoid any to-do lists or any important decisions. Stay away from anything that requires too much emotion or thinking. You and your brain need to relax in order to truly unwind. Number two, reconnect with nature. Try walking or cycling, go hiking, take a walk on the beach, or if you're in town, try urban gardening. It'll appeal to your senses, strengthen your immune system, and make you exercise, all while helping you to stay safely socialized. You could even try forest bathing, or shinrin-yoku, a Japanese healing practice which consists of immersing yourself in nature using your senses. Look it up. You may learn to love it. Number three, sleep. But don't oversleep. The brain requires a higher amount of the body's energy compared to other muscles, so you can sometimes feel exhausted once the school year is over, and maybe you'll plan to stay in bed for a few days. Unfortunately, oversleeping doesn't reverse the metabolic dysregulation brought on by a lack of sleep. Follow your rhythm and have short naps if needed, but be careful not to overindulge. It's sometimes better to rest or meditate for 10 to 20 minutes and try to keep the same bedtime routine rather than disrupting it with long naps in the day. For more, check out articles and advice from the Sleep Foundation. Number four, have some me time and don't apologize. One of the main difficulties of the past years has been the constant intrusion of family and work obligations in our personal space. You're long overdue some time for yourself without worrying about others, whether it's a massage, taking a bath, or treating yourself to an experience to share with your loved ones. Make sure you leave some time to fully indulge in something meaningful for you without being disturbed. Number five, exercise and have fun. Move. Physical activity triggers the release of endorphins, which is another happy hormone in the brain. It doesn't need to be intense or long or even difficult. Simply aim to increase your heartbeat, maybe by taking a light stroll, playing with your family or friends, or just walking the dog. If you really don't like to move, laugh. It exercises your diaphragm, contracts your abs, works out your shoulders, and provides a good workout for the heart and leaves your muscles feeling relaxed. And number six, express your creativity. Paint, write, draw, sculpt, play music, or do some DIY, cook, do gardening. Whenever you enter your own imaginary world, you can express the thoughts you might usually ignore. The process of imagining or creating, even badly, if you're like me, activates the part of your brain which exacerbates one of your senses and cancels out everything else. I love to color with my kids. It helps you pay more attention and appreciate details you might usually overlook. Whatever it is you do, relax, enjoy, stay safe, and connect with your loved ones. Work's not going anywhere. 
I'd love to hear from you to learn more about your plans. Please reach out with your ideas and thoughts. Every week, I bring you a short interview with some of my edu heroes, an engaging learning experience with someone who makes a difference in education every day, with a particular focus or angle towards educational technology. This week, I had the pleasure of chatting with Jennifer Chang Wathel. Let's have a listen to the chat. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Jennifer Chang Wathel. Jennifer and I have been connected for many years, and I'm constantly inspired by her work and social media sharing. Jennifer is based in Hong Kong and is an independent consultant, author, and part-time instructor at the University of Hong Kong. Jennifer has more than 25 years of experience in education, with the majority of this in international schools. She's a keynote speaker and author, as an expert in the fields of concept-based curriculum and instruction. Jennifer, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Are you ready to talk about education and technology integration? Absolutely, Craig, and thank you for a very kind and generous introduction too. Absolutely. It's an honor to have you on here. Let's go. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your current role and what inspires you to do what you do? Sure. So, yes, I am an education consultant and I have the privilege of partnering with different schools around the world to develop curriculum and instruction. Sometimes it's across different subject areas and sometimes it's in mathematics, which is what my background education is in. Uh, I, As you mentioned, I also teach part-time at the University of Hong Kong. So I teach on the Postgraduate Diploma of Education program and the Master's program. Now, uh, what inspires me? I was thinking about this question and I really think that it was my father. My father originally inspired me, I think, to be the person that I am today. He was a ferocious reader, a lifelong learner. I always like to share the story about my father because it's so inspirational. He was a poor village boy through self-study and determination. His last career was actually as a diplomat for the government. So we traveled to different countries and lived in different countries. And as a result, I'm what you call a third culture kid. <laughs> but um, he's he's kind of the reason why I do what I do. I, I really try to leave a legacy for him to make him proud. He sacrificed quite a lot to provide for my brother and me with lots of opportunities to be able to study and be educated and and experience the world and and learn about different cultures. I was also thinking actually about other things that inspired me now because my my father did pass away in 2016 and, and it really changed my life when he passed away. But I was thinking about currently, you know, what inspires me and it really is the teachers and also the students that I work with currently. They are you know, normally come with a lot of experience, a lot of passion, a lot of enthusiasm. And when I see either light bulb moments of my students or I see teachers really excited and enthusiastic uh, to take on the challenge of unit planning or engaging in any professional learning opportunities, I think that's what really keeps me going and is what is so rewarding. I think about what I do. Yeah, it's incredible stories, actually, Jennifer. I think that your stories are, I think, similar to a lot of educators out there that probably, you know, grew up thinking about what they could do or where they would go and inspired by an individual or a group of people. And you're a published author as well. Tell us a little bit about your books and and why we should be engaging here. Uh, I currently have five books. So, 
one of my books is on concept-based mathematics, teaching for deep understanding. And it actually says in secondary schools on the cover, but I have to emphasize that 90% of the book is actually pre-K to 12. So many primary teachers say to me, you know, why did you put secondary on the title of the book? Because it really is very much generic and the principles apply across the board to all grade levels and all age groups. And it's really just just uh, a few of the specific examples that are actually secondary. So I normally supplement with lots of primary examples. So that uh, book, I think, is a roadmap to help teachers to collaboratively unit plan, uh, intentionally plan for deep conceptual understanding. There is also a chapter in there that I based my EduSpark course on which I will tell you a little bit later about. My uh, my other books are student companions. So I was very honoured to be part of the curriculum review group for the IB last IB diploma mathematics courses. And so we I co-authored with 22 wonderful authors around the world. And we created these student companions that tried to embed inquiry and concept-based learning, and we incorporated a lot of investigations and guiding questions. So we really wanted to be very progressive and different in terms of providing students and teachers with a resource that actually did uh, encourage that inquiry-based learning approach and a a focus on concepts. And you know, you've talked about a lot about the IB here. You do do a lot of work with IB schools, Jennifer, as well. Tell us a little bit about this and why IB schools love working with you. I love working with IB schools because, you know, the framework in itself in terms of the approaches to learning, the approaches to teaching pedagogical principles, learner profile attributes. I mean, when we work together and partner, we actually speak a lot of the same language and we're very much aligned in terms of philosophy. So with the IB school partnerships, there is, I don't need to invest a lot of time discussing the value of concept-based curriculum instruction because it's one of the pedagogical principles or even why we need to use inquiry in our lessons. So, you know, all of that investment on convincing a foundational pedagogical pieces is is not, doesn't have to be uh, carried out. It's, you know, wonderful to be able I think to also share a certain philosophy, not just with IB schools, but with schools around the world, whether they are local schools or international schools, to be able to share what effective mathematics learning looks like. So many schools are kind of recognizing that effective mathematics learning is about giving all students equity and access you know, to mathematics, which has been, I think, seen traditionally as a very rigorous and um, non-approachable subject. And so I think a lot of schools are recognising that it's important to give students of different backgrounds, readiness and learning profile, uh, learning profiles access to mathematics. Um, and, and that's what's very encouraging, you know, for me to see. I think so too. I think that it's you know, the way you describe that is definitely a change I'm seeing with the schools we're chatting to and, and working with with EduSpark. And it's sort of a nice segue into that. You've touched on this 
already the work that you're doing with EduSpark. And you have a couple of courses up at EduSpark.world. Tell us a little bit about these and why people listening may be interested in jumping on and learning more from you here. Well, so one of the original course that I uh, actually designed for EduSpark uh, is called How Do I Captivate Students? Eight Engaging Strategies uh, for the Hearts and Minds of Our Students to Engage the Hearts and Minds of Our Students. And this was based on one of the chapters in my concept-based mathematics book. So even though it's in my mathematics book, these eight engaging strategies are generic across uh, all discipline areas. And they're eight pedagogical strategies that are suitable for all grade levels and I wonder if I should give a little bit of a teaser about some of the strategies. But, um, you know, one of them is like creating a social learning environment and the importance of teamwork and collaboration. Another one is providing an open, secure environment to allow for mistakes and mistakes as part of the learning process. And that involves growth mindset. And then maybe I'll just choose one more, reduce TTT. And TTT stands for Reducing Whole Class Teacher Talk Time. So there's a whole module just on that. Wow. Yeah, really cool. And the work that you've done there in this course and your course uh, on UDL and differentiation with Tanya Latanzio as well uh, is really inspiring. And I go back and, and watch and listen to it regularly, actually, because the way that you speak and the way that you uh, engage an audience is is really exciting. And I love uh, what you've done in this space to bring people in on the journey, but also make it context specific to support people in their journey, uh, no matter where they are on that journey. So I appreciate that. And I hope that our listeners will jump in and connect and engage with you in that space as well. Thank you, Craig. That, that means a lot to me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. And it's kind of inspirational to see this sort of thing being shared to a global audience now and to have a space to be able to do that. Uh, and I'm excited about the continual development of that uh, over the next months and years as well. And in your career, Jennifer, you've done a lot, but what's your next big goal? What is it that you want to achieve or do that you haven't been able to do yet? You know, uh, it, it's funny, but the type of person that I am, and this is because of my father, we're lifelong learners where we don't see that our life, there's an end or a destination in, in terms of our learning. And so I, I am kind of a ferocious learner as well, like my father. And I'm kind of moving into, you know, before all my goals were things like post-grad research and, and teaching at university and, and, you know, working in schools and running departments. Um, but I would say now my next goal is probably starting to move into district-wide, province-wide curriculum development. So I'm I'm starting to move into developing curriculum for bigger districts, you know, hundreds of schools rather than just the handful or the one that I partner with. And I feel that that's where there's going to be a lot more deep impact. And that's something that I really want to explore more of, I think, to have that bigger impact on on more teachers and, and more students ultimately. Yeah. And, and then another goal is to write a bo another book. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. 
and I don't blame you. Your books are fantastic, and I, I think that that anyone listening, and we'll make sure the links to them are in the podcast notes as well. I highly encourage you to check it out and share that uh, amongst your network of people in your schools or wherever it is that you're engaging with people on a regular basis. I think you know one of the things, Jennifer, that that I get excited about when I hear that sort of story is that it really aligns with our EduSpark story as well, yes. you know, wanting to yeah. support people in their growth and development on a larger scale, supporting schools with the impact or transfer of learning yes. that we don't believe exists currently in the professional learning landscape. So partnering with someone like yourself is is really exciting moving forward. So thanks for sharing that. It's a really nice approach um, that aligns really well with what we're thinking too. Yes, and I think you, I, I'm absolutely delighted to be part of the journey with you, Craig. So it's you know it's interesting to see what the future developments will bring. Absolutely. Let's jump into some quick fire questions, Jennifer. The first thing that comes to your head and a really brief why. What is your hashtag one word for 2022? I would say balance uh, because, you know, we're starting to come out of the pandemic. Fortunately, the world is starting to recover. And so my travel is starting to resume after this two-year hiatus. And um, my plan is balance in terms of my personal and professional life. So instead of just going in and out of different cities for two or three days and being on the road 360 days in a year, I plan to be in one place, say, for a, a month and really understand the culture, enjoy the scenery, smell the roses, and, you know, while at the same time engaging in, in some school partnerships. So rather than being based in one area, I'm going to try and be based, you know, maybe a few months in New York, a few months in Australia, a few months in London, and, and balance that personal and professional life this year. I love that. Jennifer, what's your favorite EdTech book or resource? Oh, I have an all-time favorite that I caught, you know, I've flipped the pages so many times. It's that it's completely wrinkled. It's called E-Learning Ecologies, Principles for New Learning and Assessment. I, it wasn't written too long ago, maybe 2017, 2018. It's by Cope and Kalansis. Uh, they're actually Australian, but they're expats in the US. So they teach in a, an American university. And what I love about this book is that every chapter has been written by different experts in the field. It includes a lot of research evidence to support all the ideas in each chapter. And they unpack basically, I think it's like six big reflective new pedagogies and and really discuss you know the the benefits of that e-learning environment and ecology so i highly recommend that <laughs> brilliant we'll make sure the link to that is in the podcast notes as well what's a go-to edtech tool that you love that the listeners need to try so I, okay i that's very difficult to just name one you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, we love EdTech, right? So I, I'm going to have to aim two. Okay. One is math specific for pre-K to 12, which means that every single primary teacher would absolutely love this. It's Polypad by Mathagon. It's by Philip Leisure, and Polypad's been around for a very long time, but he has recently, his team have developed these beautiful virtual manipulatives and lessons to really help focus on deep conceptual understanding and mathematics. So that's a math-specific tool. And then I would say, oh, my go-to edtech tool, probably Padlet because they've been around so long and they're so versatile and they can do anything, <laughs> I think. Right. Yeah. 
I agree. Yeah, really good shout outs. We'll make sure those links are in there as well. And Jennifer, the work that you do is, and you've touched on this, it's busy and it's exhausting, but it's so empowering and inspirational at the same time. What is a daily habit or a practice that helps you enjoy, progress and succeed in your career? Oh, that that's a that's a difficult one because I think I have lots of daily habits, right? That kind of help me with my schedule to be on track, to be balanced, which is my hashtag for 2022. Um, but I would say something that really helps me professionally uh, to learn and grow constantly is the connection that I have with the Twitter Twitter sphere. So you know, just logging in, opening up, looking at. Uh, what people are talking about, the research, interesting ideas, articles, blogs, videos. I would say that that really helps me to professionally grow. What's the best way for the listeners to follow and connect with you? Probably Twitter. <laughs> so I'm at Jennifer Waffle or my website is jenniferchangwaffle.com. Uh, I'll quickly tell you the story of that since I've discussed, uh, talked about my father uh, I was known as Jennifer Waffle for many years, but since my father's passing, I really wanted to leave a legacy. So I've reintroduced his name and 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 use his name as as part of my professional name now. So that's why I'm actually called Jennifer Chang Waffle now. Yeah, I love that. It's a, a really cool and important part of your story as well. So thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate it, Jennifer. This has been awesome. Inspirational as always. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Craig. And, that, you know, shout out for everything that you do in the EdTech space and with EduSpark as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Next week, join me for episode 87 of the Ignite EdTech podcast when I'm joined by April Remfrey. Want to win a prize? Enter now at bit.ly slash edtechwin and we'll regularly announce winners of incredible prizes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and share the podcast with your PLN and colleagues. Please remember to spend a few minutes to rate this podcast too on your podcast channel of choice so we can reach even more educators and edtech enthusiasts globally. Remember, you have the chance to win as well. Check out the links in the description for more and I'll see you again next week. If you liked today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another episode and be in the drawing to win prizes every week. If you know others that would enjoy the show, please hit that share button and brighten their day. Join us again next week for your weekly EdTech hit with at Mr. Kemp NZ. We'll see you again soon.